We're still getting muscadines, but they are the last of the fruit, so it seems timely for us to look back on the 2012 fruit season. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of September 13, 2012. It is kind of sad to say goodbye to the fruit for this year because it's been the best that we've had thus it's far. Been a, it, you know, when you look at the whole thing in retrospect, it's been a decent fruit season. So we thought it'd be fun to go back and look at each crop and you know how we did with it and what we've learned and what we're planning to do differently. And That's so forth. right. I agree. And what a lot of people might not realize if they haven't been listening to these podcasts all along is... We don't have any trees out there, any fruit trees older than three years old. That's right. We're newbies at this, so we don't have anything established like a you know fifteen or twenty year old fruit tree. Now this this so was raw land. Everything we're doing is um, young, young, young plants, including the strawberries. They are our first fruit that we talk about. Um, we started getting strawberries in late March. It was unseasonably warm, and we got we got them early. They were very sweet. They were very small berries, and the weeds very quickly took them over. So and my plan for next year, even though I love the idea of doing the matted row type and letting the uh, ha- having perennial strawberries, uh, such that the mother plants send out their daughter plants, and you know you get continual fruit. The weed situation out on Veg Hill is just too um, dicey and requires more than I can give it, quite frankly. So I, hopefully next year, after we've done some considerable weed management, we can talk about that later as an overall strategy, but um, I'm going to go with plasticulture. It'll be something new for me, um, but to... Just start with annual strawberries, some new you know, strawberries that probably won't see but one's growing season because to continue, you know, there's no way for the daughter plants to get established through the plastic. So we'll just have to start over every year. But if it means I can have nice, healthy strawberries uh, and not have the weed problems, then I'm willing to make that change. I'm... I haven't given up talking you out of that. I guess I understand that plastic culture is a way you can produce strawberries here in central Alabama and make it work. However, I think our base strategy is to prepare to be resilient in an a, in a post-petroleum era. And post-petroleum era is not going to give you plastic you can use to grow strawberries. I probably then would go with some other type of physical barrier that would still have the same impact as plastic, which would it would prevent the the plant from establishing a daughter. Yeah. So I and think even if I went with something that was a, a very strong physical barrier, such as cardboard, or you know, I don't know if we couldn't get cardboard, what we'd do. That's a, probably a discussion for another day. And I don't propose that we solve that problem here in the middle of the podcast, but I know I'm, I'm still hopeful I can 
dissuade you from trying to use plastic culture to grow well, strawberries? We will find out. Yeah. Uh, as you said, that's for another day. Okay, let's talk about the blueberries. This this is the best year we've had yet. I, I agree. The blueberries came on very early uh, and shut down way too early. We got our best production from the early season varieties, the uh, Premier, the Climax, the Brightwell, all did reasonably well. And the Tiff Blue did not come on well. The Centurion hasn't done worth a flip. Um, we've got two sickly little Centurions, and I don't know what we're going to do with those. Well, maybe we just pull those up and start over next year with two uh, premieres or something, since well, those do I, produce well for us. I'm inclined to give the Centurions another year because they did grow a little bit this year. And that's good. That's a that's a start, yeah, isn't it? We, we did lose one of the Brightwells. It just died. I don't know why, but it did. So I'll be replacing it probably with another early season variety. Um, but... Clearly, with the blueberries, we had a great early season, but we don't have any late season fruit established, and that's um, a concern. So we, we're going to be watching that to see how we're doing with the late season production. What about blackberries? They looked. We had some huge berries this year. We did. We had those Kiowas come on for the first year. This is we've had good fruit from them, and we did. They they're gigantic berries, but I'm still not happy with the taste. They're just not. As sweet as I think blackberries need to be in order to be truly useful. Yeah, so, so well, we can experiment with some other varieties, I suppose. And we, we also have some thornless blackberries. They don't produce nearly the way the thorny blackberries do. So, um, But they've tasted pretty good, I the thought. One, the berries that we get taste, do tend to taste good. I agree with you. We have some natches that... Actually, we got planted out on Veg Hill about three years ago, and the few berries that I actually were, was able to get from the, that plant was pretty good. So I agree. We'll just keep working with that. Now, the peaches, that's another story. Not a very good year at all. In fact, and, it, was a no, it was nothing this year. And it's probably time for me to interject here that this year got off to a rocky start with extremely low chilling hours. I don't know what the numbers are, but I'll I'll get those and post them on the show notes page for you. Suffice it to say, this is an ex, an extraordinarily low chilling hour year for us. This winter was extraordinarily low, and we hope that's the explanation for why we got zero peaches this year. Yes. No peaches at all after having a decent year from the June goals last year. Well, decent year for a two-year-old plant, I think. And exactly. We only had, what, about six peaches per tree, but still, that was something, and they tasted good. That's right. Um, you know, we were we were pleased with what we got last year on a two-year-old tree. Well, this year we had three-year-old trees, and they, got, they produced nothing. And I noticed that one of those newer uh, peach trees that we planted this past winter just looks really sad out there. The tree itself. Yeah, that's um, the the new June gold that's looking so sad. I don't know why it is, but I know exactly which one you're talking about. Sam Mm -hmm. Houston peach that we planted in the Celeste spot, you know, Mm -hmm. where the Celeste died. It's doing okay. It still looks healthy and so forth. Didn't get any fruit on it, but uh, it's, you know, it's doing okay. Uh, plums, we're in our third year with the two Bruce plums and the one AU rubrum plum that have survived, and we only had one lone plum this year. One of the Bruce plums had one plum on it, and it was nothing to write home about. Yeah. 
So we're hoping that that, too, is a, a casualty of the low chilling hours. And didn't we plant another plum tree? Was it Flame Prince? Or Ozark Premier. Ozark we Premier, planted two yeah. Ozark Premier plums on either side of a methley. Methley, that's the one I was... So we've got, yeah, three that are in the in the trellis system as well as three others that are not trellised. But they are not. The The trellised ones didn't produce anything either, right? Right. So, so yeah, it's didn't too bad. Didn't get any fruit from the plums okay. to speak of. well... Now, the persimmons, and just to refresh you, these are not native persimmons. These are Asian persimmons that don't have that really tart... Uh, astringent. They're not astringent. They're not astringent. These are sweet, mild fruit if they ever get here. We had two persimmons set on, you know, two two pieces of fruit that set on the tree, uh, but both dropped off before they ripened, so we got nothing. We have six persimmons, um, one of which is a replacement. So... Um, so we're waiting yet again, yet another year to you, see Another what year goes by, and we wait for production. Of course, you know, that's what we did on the muscadines, and we were gratified about that result. So. Yeah. And and I think another tree that's doing better every year are our fig trees. Yeah. I'm happy with those because I know that the first couple of years, you don't get a whole lot, but the ones that we have had have tasted delicious. They sure have, and every year gets more fun with those figs. We have nine fig trees and six different varieties. And what that means is they're, they're blooming at different times. They're setting fruit at different times. They're ripening at different times. They have different tastes. They have different sizes. and Different when, colors. Like the LSU colors, gold absolutely. is definitely a gold <laughs> greenish fig. And yeah. then when you add in the Breva crop, which we get from several of those varieties, I think we may have figs all summer long. Oh, that would be lovely. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to sort of figure out what that rhythm's going to be. We're not smart enough to say at this point because we haven't had all of them bloom, uh, bearing yet. In particular, I'm still waiting for the first fig off that tiger, which has been out in the orchard for this Two, is its, its second, second year. year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the ones that are, the, the figs we are getting, as you say, are just scrumptious. So we feel good about figs. And you've already talked a little bit about the muscadines, but let's Let's just, talk some more yeah, about the muscadines. And, and I know we talked last week about... It's fun to talk about the or, muscadines. Or maybe it was two weeks ago we talked about specific varieties we liked. But just to give an overview, this is really the first year with two one- and two-year-old um, plants that we have had any production to speak of. Exactly. And, and it's been so nice to have basket. I've been bringing in basket after basket after basket. Now, I'm not talking about huge baskets. I'm talking about little bitty baskets. But we, we're having a few every day. Not so many that we are overwhelmed and have to put them up or freeze them or can them or try to do something else with them. It's just enough for us to eat and enjoy. Right. But we do hope over the coming years that we will have sufficient production so that we are able to make jam and wine and still have some to eat. They really are kind of a fun treat for dessert. You even. bet. It's a really good and taste. We've been enjoying muscadine since early August, and um, so I feel like we're probably going to see a long season from the muscadines, which is good. Yeah. 
Well, good. Let's keep those coming. And um, even the smaller ones, I'm still holding out hope that we don't need to get rid of them. We can just use those for wine and jam. Yeah, I'm, uh, let's have a conversation about that. We are becoming so spoiled, or I am becoming so spoiled by those big berries that come on the modern uh, varieties we're growing that I just don't see the logic in hanging on to those that are on Badge Hill. I yeah. think we're probably going to uh, cut them down to the ground and plant new trees there that will bear more of those big berries because they're the ones that make it worth growing. That's Well, that's true. I can't argue with the, you there. What, what you get is you know a big berry, the kind that they're a little smaller than a golf ball it will have somewhere between two and four seeds. And they're big old seeds, too. They're easy to remove. They're fairly easy to remove. And then those small berries, like we have on Veg Hill, which are probably a third the size of the ones on the orchard proper, will have somewhere between two and four seeds. Same size seeds, you just get a whole lot less fruit, a whole True. lot less usable flesh. And a lot more flesh. skin. I mean, it seems that... And really, exactly. Even, yeah, you get the same amount of yeah. skin and the same amount of seeds, but not as much of the nice, sweet, pulpy fruit. So, so I, you're making a believer of me, but uh, anyway, well, and, let's talk apples. Yeah, well, just one other thought oh, on okay. the muscadines. I'm, I know that the two noble muscadines we bought because Jason Powell told us they were better for wine. But I still want to do some research because I'm afraid I would not use that fruit. I know we we got almost no use from the fruit from the nobles this year. They taste sweet and, and good. It's just that they're such tiny berries that it's almost like they're more trouble than they're worth. So, well, do your research and let me know what you yeah. find out. <laughs> okay, now let's talk about apples. Let's talk apples. That's right. The Southern Gold, that's been a really good producer for a two-year-old tree. Right? Exactly. And the Carter's Blue, strangely enough. We just figured the Carter's Blue we'd get nothing from because it's one of the higher chilling hour requirements. Um, but it produced lots of apples for us this year. Very small apples, I would say. Um none as large as you would want them to be. However, to be fair, I didn't do any thinning either. Yeah. If I were going for larger fruit size, I probably would have thinned mm -hmm. more than I did so that um, we could expand the size of each fruit. And well but I was you know, I was just trying to figure out whether they would make it. So I wasn't at this point, about yes, it's very preliminary. And you know, I'm kind of surprised that Carter's Blue would have would demand or recommend high chilling hours because that was de uh, developed in Mount Meg's, which is just down the road from here. Exactly. This, it's a Actually south of where we south are. South of where we are. It's a completely local fruit. So I, quite frankly, wonder if that chilling hours report is accurate or And I don't changed. blame you. I have the same question. Is it possible that the Carter's Blue chilling hours are just overstated? I think I think the the rated chilling hours on a Carter's Blue is 1,050 hours. Well, we won't come close to that. And we didn't come anywhere close to it this year. That's right. So we hope that the apples that did not bear were partially because of the low chilling hours. We'll know more in future years, of course. We've been hoping for fruit from that Ein Shimmer apple. That's an Israeli tree. It's, it was created in Israel, and it has extremely low chilling hours, like 
you know, 250 or 300 or something like that. So there's no chilling hour excuse for the Ein Shimmer. The only thing we can point to is that it just is still a, an immature tree. Yes. So we hope that eventually it will begin to bear. It's only the second year, so I'm not too worried. Yeah. Um, well, what about pears? Well, you know, again, you would think that we would be getting more production by now. Several of those pear trees are three years old. Uh, but the one pair we got was from a two-year-old kefir. Mm-hmm. That was uh, it. That yeah. was it. We had one pair. And including yeah. the Asian pears that were right. planted. Yeah, the Nothing. ginkgo, the Korean giant, mm-hmm. both of them, zero. We got no fruit mm-hmm. at all from them this year. That's too bad. And that's not a chilling hour thing. That's a maturity thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or some other problem. Or I mean, some other problem yet to be diagnosed. That's right. And pomegranates, just uh, one of the trees I think had some Ooh, flowering. Oh, I'm glad you remembered the pomegranates. I had forgotten about them. We have three. Uh, we have a cloud, a Russian, and a wonderful. And they're all new. We, yeah, we would have had two-year-old pomegranates, uh, but we chewed them up in the process of building the lodge. And so these that are out there now are all in their first year this year. Although that latest planting, remember that was a much larger tree? We bought like a three-gallon right. pot. That's the wonderful we bought was a replacement for the wonderful that had died, and we bought a two-year-old tree, and it was it went into the ground bigger. Yeah, so we're hoping maybe next year. We'll see. We'll see. That's right. So that's the report from the fruit front at this point. Um, you know, one thing we could include in that, even though it's not strictly the same kind of fruit, are the olive trees. Sure. You want to talk about the olives? Well, you're the one who actually noticed olives growing on, on them. and Yeah, and I think I've already mentioned on the previous right, podcast that good. we tasted yeah. one and it just was not pleasant, but that's all we know at this point. They're still hanging in out they're there. Still so. out, yeah, they're still doing well. The pl- trees are healthy. They're growing. Um all the signs are positive. It's just that I'm not sure we're going to want what they bear. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll and, have to, that's right. And I think before we end, I'd just like to mention that we plan, uh, as you said, to replace some of the trees that have died or some of the bushes, etc. Yeah, we've, uh, we've lost a Dixie Red Muscadine. We'll be replacing it. We've lost that Brightwell I talked about, and we'll be replacing it. We've lost two or three blackberries, and we'll be replacing them. Uh, let's see. What else have we lost? That well, may be it. I, I think that's it in terms of what we've actually right. lost. But we don't have any plans to expand the fruit orchard at the moment. No. Except perhaps to put in a microclimate bed up by the lodge and add some citrus. That's a possibility. And, you know, right now, every indication I have is that blueberries and muscadines are going to be where the action is in terms of real production and if that's the case, we may end up putting another couple of lines of muscadines in on the orchard proper. We've certainly left expansion space so that we could add whatever we want to add. And right now, my yeah. vote would be adding muscadines. Yeah, just might as well do what do well. What You sh- might as well plant what does well in this area. And right now, we know that's blueberries and muscadines. Right, so. they, we, can, we know we can depend on them to produce and keep producing. So... That's probably what we'll end up doing, but we're not in a big hurry on that. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. So thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, and we'll catch up with you next week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. 
send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.